There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk The Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter. I want to go back to the fairies. I read this week, and I had to read it twice, if I'm honest with you. They've used the wrong steel. I had to check it wasn't April the 1st. And Lord Willie Hockey. I've got an answer for it. You've got an answer. Good, Aye. Willie. Just let's keep it as the biggest duke it doing the water. Let the pigeons stay in it. With Workflow Solutions. Good morning, Willie. Good morning, Tom. Well, there's been quite a lot going on as usual. A couple of things caught my eye in the headlines, Willie. Twitter, which is now known as X, my old pal Elon Musk, he paid $44 billion for it. It's now saying it's worth about $19 billion. So a $25 billion loss since he's taken over. He's laid off 80% of the workforce, Advertising revenue's down 50%. He's trying to say he's going to make it a payment platform because Elon did make his first lot of money in PayPal. I still think he's a genius. <laughs> you never thought that, but what do you think now? Uh, well, I think he's a flawed genius, <laughs> as I said. And and I said at the time, and we've said you know over the last number of weeks, that uh, I think he's bit off more than he can chew. And I think it's interesting as well that this week that shares in Tesla have dropped, right, because production is down and it looks like there's a slowdown in the purchasing of electric cars. So I, I think there's a stormy waters coming round for Elon Musk. You know, it's interesting that, you know, he's flown in for the AI conference again, you know, this week. Yes. And even on AI, he's changed his mind. You know, he's saying it was a danger to mankind, and we can debate that a wee bit later, but also now that then in other cases he's for it. So it's interesting. But I would say at the moment on our wee bet, it's probably looking more that you'll be buying me dinner than I'll be buying you dinner on the Elon Musk success question. I would definitely dispute that because I would say he's a genius because who else would have built a car company from nothing? Who else can launch rockets? Who else got the vision to say he's going to Mars? Okay, I admit he's mucked up Twitter or X, you know. My God, in my Twitter feed now, I can't stop calling it Twitter, I'm getting things about Mike's Pence in the, in the American election. I've, I've never s yeah. spoke to him in my life. Anyway. As someone who's not a member of either Twitter, previous or X, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let's just pick up there because Elon Musk is flying into... Bletchley Park, the place yes. for the code breakers. Another pal of mine who I've never met, Rishi Sunak, I've got to say he's getting industry leaders round the table, which we always say about, and he's bringing them to Britain. We've got people from the USA, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Singapore, China, but Rishi, nobody has been invited from the Scottish government. Maybe his AI went a bit wrong Maybe they didn't get the WhatsApp, Tom, or they deleted that. Maybe they deleted the WhatsApp, Willie. So let's let's just talk about that, Willie, because the way we communicate as business people, 
I think it's really changed. Over the past, goodness, 25 years, I used to be on the phone all the time. I'm, I'm not on the phone as much now, and I do communicate by WhatsApp, by Signal, which is another one. The one that I really don't like because people fall out over it is email because people read things the wrong way and I just say, pick up the phone. How do you communicate in business and do you delete your WhatsApps and will you be transparent this morning, Willie? Yeah, well, I have to say, I delete all of my WhatsApps, all of my texts, all of my emails as soon as I've dealt with them. Do you? Only for the simple reason... I'm not very good at searching through hundreds, <laughs> right? That's the main reason. Not because I don't want to be transparent, because anyway, when the chips are down, people can always get these back. So anybody at the Scottish Government who think they've been deleting on it says, you know, that WhatsApps, once they're deleted, they're encrypted, you can't get them back. I write, right? <laughs> Wait till the government step in and they send in the guys from MI5 to, to see how we get your WhatsApp back. But no, in serious point, Tom, like you, I agree with you totally about when it comes to something contentious, then don't send it in an email. If you're having a wee go at somebody or they want to have a go at you, have that as a conversation, right? Because when you read something, I think sometimes it's 10 times worse. Oh, it right, is. that is than when you say something to somebody or you can put it a different way. And also, <laughs> you'll bubble at me, there's people that you like having a quick conversation with and there's people you know who are going to go on and on and on. So thank the Lord for WhatsApp. You're not talking about James, are you, this morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely not. But it is a way, and I think it's a very efficient way to to deal with things is WhatsApp. But if it's important, pick up the phone because you're less likely to fall out over the phone or face to face. Whatever happened to face to face, Willie? Exactly. I actually, I actually put FTF to someone last night, or if you wanted a Teams call or an FTF, I hope he, I hope he knows what F2F meant. But but while you've brought it up, we have to talk about it. What about the revelations this week that some of the really important messages right, on ministers and first ministers' phones that seem to have been deleted? Well, I think it's a really serious thing. We're we're making light of it, but, you know, what we want from our politicians, Willie, our elected politicians, mm -hmm. they serve at our pleasure. I think sometimes they forget that. Mm -hmm. What we want is truth and honesty and transparency. If people make a mistake, and listen, I make mistakes all the time, but you own up to them and you say, I'm sorry about that, I'll learn from it, I'll move on. So I was very disappointed to see that our former First Minister couldn't actually answer the question, have you deleted any of your WhatsApps? Because she was with Andrew Marr, she was with Andrew Neil, saying there'll be total transparency. I did watch some of Dominic Cummings' testimony I mean, my goodness, if it wasn't so serious, when when we did the show through COVID, we hoped that our elected officials were competent. We thought they might not be, but down in Westminster, let's just leave it at Westminster just now, they seem Boris Johnson was not fit to be Prime Minister. I said it on the show. He was not fit to be the UK's Prime Minister and he led... The UK. Well, he didn't lead the UK. He absolutely got it wrong, Willie. And Dominic Cummings wasn't slow in pointing the finger at the whole cabinet, really. I was interested in one of the comments 
I think it was from Kane who said that Boris did not have the skills to deal with a pandemic. I would like him to come on and actually tell us what skills that Boris had to deal with anything, right? I mean, I know that Liz Truss is getting pilloried for, for what she done in her, I think it was 44 days, but I'll tell you, history will show that Boris Johnson's time and his number one policy, the getting us out of Brexit, will prove now to be the worst thing that's ever happened in the last 100 years. And sometimes when you look back at history, you, you say, we get the leaders we deserve at these times. You know, we had Churchill. I know you won't agree me, we had Thatcher. Um, we had Tony Blair. And I think these were good leaders at the right time for the country. Boris Johnson will go down in history as one of the worst prime ministers the UK has ever had. The Scottish government, it's still to be seen. I hope we're not going to be ridiculed and by saying, oh, the messages are all deleted, as you say, we can get them back. Our trust in elected officials is at an all-time low, and no wonder. And we should make the point that in all of these reference is because of the impact it's had on business. This is not about politics. Go and see how businesses have been affected since Brexit. And Brexit was another one where we were fed, with Dominic Cummings, yes. a bunch of lies. I said it at the time, and I'm saying it again. So, some good news this week. UK interest rates have been held, which we called for last week. The Governor of the Bank of England must be listening. And Eurozone inflation has fallen to 2.9%, mainly energy prices and food prices. There's stagnation happening here. You know, there's very little growth over a long period of time. I certainly feel... And the businesses that speak to me, there's a real softening. And, and we talk about it a lot in the show. There's a lag between putting up interest rates and it hitting the real economy. I think only about half of the mortgage owners in the UK have been hit by the rate. So that rate's still to hit them, Willie. But I see a softening. What do you see out there? Yeah, definitely. And I think that the, I now understand how it's the number one priority of the government and obviously the Bank of England to get inflation down. I read this week, Tom, I can't believe it, that 60% of all people in Canada with a mortgage, their old deals run out in January. 60% of the people in Canada with a mortgage could be looking at double the cost per month. So I think that it's interesting that they have held, thankfully that they have held the rate, but it'll be interesting to see. I am still saying I don't think they're going to get inflation below 5% before December. If they do, I'll be delighted to be wrong. But obviously their target is 2% by the middle of next year. The, I believe, Tom, they have to get there because I think the underlying current at the moment in all the economy is not looking good. More and more people now are talking about unemployment. People are talking about housing. All of these things that are going on, I'm delighted that they've held the rate. Yeah, it's not all doom and gloom, though. I read this week just that Next, which I think is one of the best-run retailers in the world, never mind the UK, have put up their full-year profit guidance. They've now lifted it to £885 million. So they are doing something right, Willie. So good businesses, well-run, taking care of their customers. It's not all doom and gloom, mm -hmm. but it's certainly tightening up. I mean, we talk about it a lot in the show. People need to be on top of their cash flows. They really need to understand 
cash in, expenses down, happy business. Simon Wilson has done an amazing job. You know, looked at what's been happening online. He's looked at also the shops. He's changed things. So under his stewardship, you know, Nexus came on, you know, leaps and bounds. So hopefully that will continue and it is a bit of good news. Yeah. So great to see Ayrshire leading the way again. Well, the largest consumer-owned wind farm in Britain has already started erecting the first of eight large turbines in Kirkoswell, down in my neck of the woods. 5,600 individuals from homes and businesses across Scotland, England and Wales joined a cooperative, very innovative, with Ripple Energy, which means they effectively control the energy produced by the turbines. So that's good news, but I know you've been looking at this and it's not all rosy in the wind farm world. No, I was really, really surprised to see this week that Orsted, one of the largest renewable companies in the world, Swedish-based, have pulled out of two major projects in the States and a write-down of hundreds of millions and their share prices dropped dramatically this week. So I don't know, to be honest, if it's to do with legislation in the States. I don't know if it's to do with the money they were getting for the energy they were producing. But that was, after all the good news last week of Sea Green, SSE, what you're talking about here, and I applaud the people in Ayrshire for their initiative, but I, that, that was a strange one. It was kind of a step backwards. Yeah, I read as well that people who allocate the capital to these things, the believe it or not, the price of energy is not giving them a good enough return. Energy prices is the big unknown in the inflation because of the terrible war in the Middle East. So we just don't know where energy prices are going to go, Willie. Obviously, there's terrible stuff happening on both sides there. I don't actually watch the news anymore because no. it breaks my heart every night while I saw I've I've stopped watching. Yeah, it's it's, it's been sad. Can I can I revisit a couple of things we've been talking about over the last few weeks? And one is in the house building. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the program this week on the BBC. What went wrong in Britain's housing crisis? I didn't know. Right, so. When you watch that programme, it is absolutely diabolical to see what house builders and developers have done to the people over the past 10 years. Shocking, absolutely shocking how all these people find themselves in a situation where they've got land leases rather than owning outright a building that they've paid £350,000, £400,000 for. Does that happen in Scotland as well as England? Well, it's not as prevalent in Scotland, right? right? I remember I had a conversation with a chief executive of a local authority a couple of years ago who thought this was a good idea and he was going to try it in a project and I says good luck with that there's 196,000 people in England trying to go to court but if you watch this programme Tom this is why the housing industry needs disrupted right it is absolutely shocking some of the practices of some of the big builders and developers so if anybody who's listening did not see that show go into the BBC iPlayer and watch what is what is wrong with housing crisis in Britain it was absolutely terrifying to watch what had happened here well I know you're doing the right thing just across the road here from the studio building your thing and hopefully we're doing the right thing at Winchbrat we've got all the major builders on site but I want to sit down with them and see how we can produce a product that the customers really value. Yeah. The problem is, and you hit it right in the head, all developments have been done, right, for the benefit of everyone involved with the build. What we need here is an approach to build houses is to the benefit of the tenants. Yeah. Right, and it's no shame in being open book and showing how we're going to do that. The other thing I wanted to revisit was the ferries. 
Oh, right, okay. okay. Because we spoke last week about, you know, the the outrageous uh, announcement that it's the wrong steel, and we made it clear that there's two parts to this. You know, there's a part of Ferguson Marine owned by Jim McCall, and there's a part by the government, right? Yeah. And I think it's fair to say that the same amount of money has been spent through Ferguson Marine has been spent now since the government takeover, right? And it just seems to be never-ending, we spoke last week about how the doors and some of the steel and some of the plane was all the wrong steel, right? Not maybe how the boat was made. But the revelation that tens of millions of pounds that have been spent is unaccountable for. This is from the auditors. Right. Right. So if you were running a business or I was running a business and the auditors came in oh, and audit. found, right, that we don't have invoices or we don't have a trail for how we spent millions of pounds, you know, there'd be 10 HMRC guys tomorrow and there'd be then a police van behind that to find out where the money is. So of all the things we've said about the ferries, for me, this is the most outrageous thing that's been said. Now, I don't know because none of us know whether they're talking about this was done in the early stages or whether it's been done in the late stages. But whenever it was done, people should be crying out for a public inquiry on the basis of that alone. Yeah. So this is, obviously you and I have known Jim for 30 years yeah. plus. And um, he is concerned that the workforce at Ferguson Marine are being brought down every time somebody says, oh, goodness, and he wants a public inquiry. Um, maybe they'll delete the WhatsApps from that as well, Willie. Yes. Maybe, do we ever get to the truth with these things? But I know Jim is keen to say that the workforce here are not to blame. But let's see who is accountable for it. That's what I'd like to know. I think this is a really good point you make about do we ever get to the bottom, right? So me and you can't argue about the steel. We can't argue about the configuration. We can't argue, right? But what you can definitely argue about is you can follow the money. Follow the money. Right. So so the one thing is if people don't have answers, someone must be accountable for the lack of transparency in the process of spending the money, public money. And... This goes to our point, which we're making in the show today. I think there's going to be three to four hundred million pounds of taxpayers' money wasted here, Willie. Yes. And therefore, how many nurses would that pay for? How many teachers would that pay for? Could we freeze the council taxes with that? That's how money is spent. Yeah. What about the deposit return scheme? Absolutely. That was money down the toilet, Lorna Slater. Yes. How are you taking, how can you show your face in public? Are you going to resign? Are you going to say, I am responsible? Yeah. Come on. But but you're, you're spot on here that instead of wasting all our time and try to find out how we can tax people who want to come and spend their dollars here, let's look and see where we're wasting money. Hundreds of millions, 500 million to Gupta for the steel industry. Nearly it'll be half a billion again when we're finished with Ferguson Marine and, and the shipbuilding. These two boats we're trying to build, ships, whatever they're called, right? Tugs, we called them last week, right? But the money that's been wasted by politicians backed by the civil service. We're not blaming them. Politicians make the decisions, right? They won't say yes or no, but we need to get cleverer about how we spend people's taxes. So if we can help here, because I I don't allow people people to come into my office and just moan without a solution. So if MD, any councils, etc., want to help, we've got great people who can sit 
and look how money's spent. Look, see if it's value for money. Let's see if the folks we're really trying to help are getting to it. I mean, we, we do this in our foundation, Willie. I'm sure you would help as well. So we are willing to help in Scotland. Yeah, 100%. You mentioned it last week. If we take the building of the parliament six times the cost, more than double the amount of time to build it, the trams in Edinburgh, I don't know how many years late, I don't know what the overrun was, right? Ferguson Marine, right? Gopta, all of these things. Let's finish on a good news story okay. about infrastructure project. Come on then. It's the 10th anniversary of the hydro. Oh, right? is it? Right. And it must be one of the most successful infrastructure projects that we've had. And it is by far the best project. 10th anniversary, over 10 million people, right, have visited the hydro. So well done to Peter Duffy, his predecessors, everybody before them. It's been 10 years of nothing but good news in relation to the hydro. And actually what it's done, if you want a great example of what spending money in a project like that, using public money, look what it's done to the whole area of Finiston. It's, it must have lifted the GDP by about 3%. So I mean, well done to everyone. The multiplier effect, Willie, I think it's two or three the busiest music venues in the world. I'm a debenture holder there. Yes. I love going to the Ovo Hydro. They always treat us well and we saw some brilliant acts there. So there you go. We can do public infrastructure. Yes. But we got to be right on it, Willie. And we got to call out when it doesn't go right. Correct. Coming next, Hunter and Hockey chat to Gila Tiefenbrunn, CEO of Lynn Products. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, part of the Scottish Procurement Framework for Managed Print Solutions. Available to all public sector bodies and charities. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week's special guest is Gilad Tiefenbrunn, CEO of Lynn Products. The company his father, Ivor, founded in 1973 with the revolutionary Lynn Turntable. Great to have you on, Gilad. Long time since I've seen you. It has been a while, yeah. Gilad, it's brilliant to see you. And I've got to be up front this morning on a conflict of interest because when we were building the house, we went Lynn top to bottom. And I always remember sitting with your dad trying to get a discount <laughs> and he said to me Tom how much are you spending in your kitchen which I thought was a funny way to negotiate and I said well you know this and that and he said a kitchen is never going to change your life when I know you're a music fan and when you sit and listen to the clarity of Lynn products it's going to change your life and he never gave me a discount <laughs> the best salesman and in he the was world. right and it has changed your life well I mean I love music and I the quality in the house is just brilliant and I love it. So I am a fan. Aye. But you've never been near putting a kettle on in your life, you know what I mean, <laughs> to be fair. A kitchen's not going to change my life, will I know? <laughs> your, your wife might have a different opinion. <laughs> she definitely will, but it's brilliant yeah. that you're on the show this morning. Give the best to your dad. And your story is something I know the listeners are going to be really interested in. Yeah. So give us a wee bit of the background um, because... We were speaking earlier and Willie said 
he didn't think you were destined to take over from your dad. No, dad had always said that none of his kids, that's me and my two siblings, would ever go into the business. So we went off and did our own thing. But thank goodness I did, because I was down working in high tech in London after graduating from Edinburgh as an engineer. And that's where I learned about the future of fast networks. Right. Which at the time, everyone was playing CDs. And I could see from just the way that mobile phones were going to be used in the future that all the data would come to your phone over the network. Right, so you had a wee sneak peek into I that. I did, right. I did. And I made a little prototype running on an old Nokia phone that worked <laughs> a Lin Hi-Fi. And my dad offered me the chance to join them at their booth at the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas to demo it, which I did. And of course, every person that saw it, journalists, consumers that walked by, retailers, they all said, no, nah, no one <laughs> is ever going to control their music from their phone. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. So, so tell us a bit, because a lot of family businesses in Scotland and interesting, your dad said none of the kids were going to be in the business. Why do you think that was and how did you change his mind? Well, there were two reasons from his point of view. One, he didn't want to put an obligation onto us. Yeah. And the other side of it is he didn't want to give us an easy option either. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I never sought to change his mind, although I'd worked in and about the business as a youngster, school holidays, uni projects, that sort of thing. So I always had Lynn in my heart. And when my dad developed colitis in his 50s, and his health really started to deteriorate. That's when we had the first conversations about, well, do you think maybe you'd be interested in coming into the business? That's how I tell it. He says the other way around. He says right. I asked him, but so. we'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> sounds like him. Yeah. So it wasn't like an episode of Succession, no? <laughs> a, a lot of my life is like an episode of Succession, for sure. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> tell people a wee bit about Lynn from the start. So founded by my dad in 73, and he was a mechanical engineer, loved music. And he designed a new type of record player, the Lin Sondek LP12, he called it. Right. And it could get more information out of the groove of a vinyl record than any other record player before it. For wow. the simple reason that at the time everybody thought that only the speakers mattered. But Dad was the first to show that actually you could get a better sound from a better turntable. Wow. So that's how he built the company. But his vision was always much bigger than that, not just to make a record player, but to own and control the music signal right from wherever it was coming from, record player or CD or whatever, all the way to the ear, which meant amplifiers and speakers as well. So that was his vision from the start, and he built the company that way. Right. And that vision still holds true today. So what I tell people is nobody needs to have a new idea. No one's going to have a better idea than my dad. You just have to find a way to implement it better using new technology right. to, to move into things like streaming and digital technologies. So do you come from a long line of entrepreneurs, Gilad, or was your dad the first to come into that or were you all brought up in a, an entrepreneurial family? Family's very entrepreneurial. My grandfather was a refugee uh, 1938, so got out of Vienna. Right. The rest of his family wasn't so lucky, or not all of his family were. Him and his sister got over to Glasgow, taken in by a family here wow. that looked after them, So and got jobs. But then my grandfather was a natural engineer, 
And uh, one of the guys that he worked for said, hey, I'll help you get started. And the company that he started is called Castle Precision Engineering. It's on Drake Meyer Drive. I'm Castle, not well. And it is still going to this <laughs> it's day. It's still good. Yes. And it's wow. been run after my grandfather passed. My grandmother ran it. Then my uncle Marcus ran it. And today my cousin Jan Tiefenbrunn runs that business. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I remember years ago, going, after I meet me, I dad going to meet Marcus and going to cast milk. I was brought up there with my grand for a wee while, so I knew exactly where it was. But to, to see what they were doing then, you know, the high-tech engineering, the turning, everything they were doing was, was fascinating. Yeah, so we're a family of engineers and teachers, actually. And right. you know, we have that ethos. So you're brought up in this entrepreneurial family, but your father's saying, no, no, go and make your own way, which I, I kind of did with my kids as well. And um, But then your dad's health, you, well, let's say there's two sides, there's probably three sides to that story, Who, who's telling the truth. So you come into the business. Now, what do you see and how has your education helped you run the strategy at Lynn? What I saw was the company was not the same as when I'd left it as a student. I'd seen the ethos start to drift, and especially in the R&D department, I saw a lot of unhappy engineers. All right. And what I'd left previously, and the way my dad had set it up, it was always very harmonious, and the responsibility was always pushed right down to to the engineers. Right. But that seemed to have changed. So is this where the innovation was coming from? Yes. From the engineers? Yeah. 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 Right. And so the culture had gone adrift somehow, and I think there were too many kind of managers in the business or something. It drifted away. There'd been a move to a big expansion that had divisionalized the company. It made it more complicated. It lost that family feel. And so actually when I joined 03, if you look at what I did say between 03 and coming out of the global financial crisis in 09, the company had returned by that point to very much the shape that it had been in, say, 1999. We'd kind of stripped it right back to its core business and made it profitable and got everybody working on what they love doing and a big, happy yeah. team of engineers again. Right. I, I remember visiting the factory, I don't know if you remember this, just maybe within months of you coming in and me and you walking around and you explaining to me where you'd had a kind of deep dive and you'd looked wherever it was and all the things you've just said just now you were hoping to implement. That's right. So that's right, yeah. So, so you had honed um, your leadership skills, you'd gone to Harvard? That came slightly later. So, so that, that came was, later, okay. That was a conversation with... Um, another Scottish entrepreneur called Neil McNichol who came to oh, Lynn. Neil. God rest him. God rest him, lovely guy. And he said to my dad, if you want to make this succession work, you should send Gilad out to Harvard because there's a guy teaching there, Professor John Davis, who wrote the book, right. uh, Managing Family Business Succession book. And he runs the Family Business Elective on the, on the exec MBA there. Wow. So it was Neil McNichol's suggestion. Dad agreed with it. It was a month, a year for three years, 06, 07, 08. And coming out of that is when I came back and presented my dad with a blueprint for our succession, wow. which crucially included setting up an independent board with uh, external non-family member, non-exec directors. Because before and, that, yeah, it had just been the family. It just been the family. Yeah, and just so been that dad. was Yeah, just, well, <laughs> just been dad and, you know, sometimes his brother and sometimes my brother. and yeah. But it, it wasn't a professional board. And so the best practice that they were teaching there, and I firmly believe in, is that even private family businesses should 
have a, a board with some non-execs on it because it, it just brings in that that external expertise and it professionalised the relationship between me and my dad at work. So that was really far thinking that, that you had the the vision to challenge your dad yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's not hard to, he's, he's not <laughs> to easy convince. to challenge. Um, but then your education at Harvard, etc. So you, you would say Harvard was... Brilliant. Yeah, well, it prepared me to go from being an engineering leader to being a business leader. Because yeah, right. that's where I studied finance and accounting and marketing and negotiation and all those things that I hadn't really been exposed to yeah. in, right. a, in a disciplined so, way up to that yeah. point. So yeah. you're coming in, but timing in business as in life is everything. And you're coming in just at the great financial crisis. Yes. Which is not easy for any of us. Yes. I think Willie come through all right. I've got, I've still got the scars. But there's always a good outcome because going into the COVID crisis, you could look back and draw on that experience from the financial crisis. And as yep. I said to people at the time of COVID, I said, this is a much better crisis because this one isn't our fault. Correct. <laughs> Correct. Everyone's in the same boat. Everyone's yeah. in the same boat. So yeah, it did make had, it easier. What did you have to do in the business then coming in? You professionalised the board. Yes. Anything else? Flattened the structure, uh, simplified the business, brought more in-house, upskilled the team as best we could and uh, just overall put the emphasis on the business back onto what we love most of all, which is the highest performance audio products, the things that inspire everybody. And that actually, if you look back just at the COVID crisis, that's how we got through that crisis was by saying, let's let's do even more inspirational products. Let's set our sights even higher. And making work a place of haven during that period was really crucial to me personally and to my team and to give us something really ambitious to go for. So I think it's about finding the focus and then relentlessly sticking to it in the face of a hundred other opportunities yeah. that you get presented with on I, a daily I've basis. I've been dying to ask you this question. Obviously, Lynn is renowned throughout the world as a quality manufacturer of, of record players and music systems. How did, how did your dad or you manage that mar marketing genius so you could get that accolade? I wish there was an easy answer to that, <laughs> but I think the answer might just be lots of hard work and it takes a long long time I mean the company's 50 years old this year wow celebrating that that milestone and I buy into the management philosophy or the leadership philosophy of of turning up is 90% of it right <laughs> so if you can just stick at it you know, for for that period, I love the story of Ry Kudar, the the slide guitarist. You know, and he works away and he works away, and then after twenty five years of reasonable success, he discovers the Buena Vista Social Club <laughs> and makes one of the most successful records and best records that's ever been made. I listened to that in my Lynn speakers. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. I love those kinds of stories. So I don't look for a quick answer. I think you turn up and you're relentless about it, and you just keep trying to hone that focus. And I believe that success will come through that approach. How hard was it for you to convince your dad to let go? <laughs> he's been really good, actually, my dad. He's quite forward thinking in terms of he's always planned for his own succession. Maybe the problem then for him has been the company is his baby and it's in his blood and he loves that business. So although he structured everything for succession, then personally it was tough for him to let go. He couldn't be persuaded, but... You know, it wasn't for me to try and persuade him. 
he set different milestones, like moving when he moved to chairman, for example, and then his next move was going to be from an exec chairman role to a non-exec chairman role. So he was gradually stepping back. And then unfortunately, health issues took over and he had no choice in the matter. That was 2019. Mm. But at right. that point, I was ready to to take on the chief exec role. You, you, you mentioned the, the power of outsiders coming into the board is there anyone, any names you can share with us who, who you thought you brought in and made a huge difference? I think, well, what the way we did it is maybe more important than who they were, was yeah. that Dad and I chose people who we both respected and people who knew the company and loved the company. So I'll give a shout out to Ian Pittman. Ian uh, is very prominent in the Scottish business community. Yep. And he is our chairman currently. But prior to that, he served as a non-exec on the board. And uh, he supported us through the global financial crisis when we had to go through that restructuring. And so it's people like that who really know the business, who are operators, who, who really understand businesses and know my dad, know me, love the company and help us and support us. Yeah. So tell us a wee bit about, because... You got what I would call a marketing coup getting Johnny Ive, who, for those of you who don't know, was fundamental with Steve Jobs at Apple and he was the design guru and you got him in to collaborate at Lynn. So how did that come about? I mean, amazingly, it was a LinkedIn request that really? came <laughs> and it, from his PA. And, it, and so I saw this thing. It was when we were working from home at that time and of course, I just threw it in the bin immediately. I was like, oh, that's trash. You know that way when you were just sat at home yeah. and your life was just on a screen for, for those months. And now, I, for those of us who are not on LinkedIn, which is Willie and I, <laughs> um, how does LinkedIn work? <laughs> well, you can just send someone an email yes. through LinkedIn through yeah. just uh, if you search yeah. for them. Right. So it's yeah. a way for business people to it's contact each other. social media that's platform. It. Yeah. We, should, we should get up to date. <laughs> I'm going to do that once I'm looking for a job. <laughs> So he contacted you? He contacted me. I deleted it. And a few <laughs> hours later, I was doing some other meetings and I just had this nagging feeling like, what if it actually was Johnny Ive? Right. Or Sir Johnny Ive as he is, you know. So I got it. I had to then Google how to fish an email out of the trash on LinkedIn, which I've never done before or since. You may have to show the Scottish government how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> delete, delete, delete. <laughs> Sorry. And sure enough, it was Johnny Ives PA. And then soon after that, we had a FaceTime meeting. So how had he heard of you? Well, it turns out he'd been following the company all along. Wow. He'd actually been, as a student, he'd been on a tour of Lynn and he was quite inspired by it. Wow. And he's actually very good friends with Ruthie Rogers, whose restaurant is the River Cafe the River down Cafe, in London. Of course, who's the great architect. Yes, he passed away now, but the great yes. architect, Lord Richard Rogers, he was the architect of the Lynn Factory. So there was that link. Anyway, he was calling me just to say he was uh, interested in buying the new products that we come out with the new turntable and the new music streamer. And he just wanted to talk to me first and make sure that he was buying the right thing and who wow. should he buy it from. And then he said, well, and also if there's anything I could ever do, you know, I, wow. I've got this new company, we've got loads of paid work, we're designing the new Ferrari, so we don't need any more <laughs> paid work. But me and my partner, Mark Newsom, also agreed that we would do projects just out of love. So wow. I'd love to do something with you guys. You must have pictures of off the floor. 
Well, I was kind of prepared. I thought, what if? Because one of my non-execs actually said to me, imagine the best possible thing that could happen on this call and prepare yourself for oh, it. Right. She said, what would it be? I would say, well, if he said he would work with us. She said, well, then you need to know what you're going to say when he says that. Fantastic. Right. And so I didn't know what to say. I said, she well, as prepared. it happens, I was prepared. I said, as it happens, next year is the 50th anniversary of Lynn. And the 50th anniversary of my dad's turntable, the Sondek LP12. And the next morning he'd emailed me saying, I would love to help you design <laughs> a special edition of your dad's turntable for wow. your 50th anniversary. Amazing. Wow. And Amazing. That, that's how it happened. And then and it that took got us you a, marketing yeah. all over the world then. Yes. I mean, the story has gone absolutely um, viral. It's reached over 360 million people. Wow. If you Google that story, you'll find it global in hundreds of publications online and in print. It's, it couldn't have, have been any better. It's everything I hoped and dreamed we could get to happen in our 50th anniversary. No matter here. how good you are, everyone needs a bit of luck. That's it. And, and, here, and here is the, going back to the point, don't ever delete anything. <laughs> I can come back to bite you. <laughs> very apt on this show this week. Very apt, very apt. Yeah. So, Gilad, you, you strike me as somebody who's always thinking ahead, ahead. How do you keep yourself inspired how do you keep yourself thinking about where the next innovation is coming from and and how do you attract these great engineers that you obviously love <laughs> i think just to answer the last part i think that the business attracts great engineers because it tends to be engineers who are really inspired by audio and are passionate about music but, but it's and there's culture, not that many places it's to a do culture it. where you're giving them responsibility. Yes. yes. And so a lot of the time, I don't need to think about what technology is coming in the future now because they do that. Right. But what I see then is, well, what are the technologies that are going to shape music at home for the next 10 years? And I can look at a technology roadmap and see what's coming down the line. So that'd be one input that I have. The other thing that I do is I spend a lot of time with customers. And by that, I mean retailers right. and end customers out in the market. And that's really the value I add to the business is being out there presenting the business, selling the products, but gauging the response and hearing what customers want and what retailers think will sell. Right. So retailers don't know about what's coming in the future. They don't know about that. But if you put together the customer need with the future of technology, you can marry those two things up and come up with a strong product roadmap that hopefully yeah. is, is going to be the thing that, that unlocks that next yeah. phase of growth. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's a great, a great lesson yeah. for the listeners of Small and Willie. Yeah. Just putting the, the customer, first yeah. of all, and you've got end customers and middlemen, yes. and the retailers, yeah. but those are your customers. Yeah. And you, a, a lot of businesses only get to speak to the middlemen, but yeah. you're going right to the end customer. Yes, because they're Huge so lesson. passionate. Huge yeah. lesson. And they've got so much to say. And actually, a lot of times, they know the business inside out. It's amazing yeah. that, that how... Uh, how passionate some of our customers are, how engaged yeah. uh, and how much they know about the, the company and how much they, they can even predict yeah. what kind of products yeah. are going to sell or what we should do next. It's interesting about, you know, Johnny Hives and that, you know, I was I, I was delighted to see that Celtic have now just brought on board as a non-exec director, Brian Rose. 
Right, so top executive in the world in music. Now I think he's working on Spotify. He's doing stuff like top, top guy. He's actually from Glasgow. Is he? Right, and so here's somebody who's going to maybe spend a bit more time in Glasgow. Maybe worth having a wee cup of tea with him. But you know, top, top man. I think he was I'd the love to. chief exec of, I, I'm going to say Sony or Universal, but one of the huge, but now he's working with, you know, I think it's uh, Amazon or someone anyway in the music industry, but top, top regard the guy in the world. So somebody's doing Glasgow. the thinking there, right? Really. Somebody, somebody's, somebody's been very clear clever at how they've picked the, the, the NEDs for Celtic over the last 20 years it's no Fergus McCann no no no, no. <laughs> and in the minute we've got Legula tell, tell the listeners about the size of the business the many countries you supply to what, you know and what you're, home, what you're hoping to do and also tell them how they can buy your products so last year was probably our most successful year ever that we've just closed off. We'll do about 22.7 million in revenue. Brilliant. With about 26.6 in orders come in. So we've got a healthy order book as well. Our main products are our record player, our music streamer and our new 360 loudspeakers, which are being heralded in many quarters as the best loudspeakers that I've ever been made yeah. I'm going to have to try and get a discount from you <laughs> I've got a kitchen so it's alright <laughs> good luck with that <laughs> and I'll be off travelling around the world uh, in a yeah. couple of weeks to, to promote and demonstrate how many countries have you, supplied, have you supplied into over the 50 years oh probably 60 to 70 different countries wow. and there's new ones coming on board all the time and there's, there's so much opportunity out there it's really there's always more than you've got time to yeah. do in Glasgow, we have Loud and Clear in Finiston. They are one of our top retailers in the UK and they're a fantastic business partner and they stock our full range of products. So straight after this, you can head down to right. Loud and Clear. <laughs> and get a discount get, on your demo. Yeah. Yes. And I'll say you sent me as well. You yeah. can. <laughs> and Alan Boyd will be delighted to look after you. As a wee, as a wee shout out, <laughs> Gilad, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, please tell your own man we were asking for him. I will. And, thank and, you, uh, Willie. And Thanks, more power to your elbow. Thank you so much. So, Gilad, it's been absolutely brilliant to hear the story from you today. And I've just got to finish by saying we, we had our conference up at Glen Eagles this week and Willie and his good lady spoke brilliantly, but I started by telling a story about your dad because he gave me a copy of a book by Professor Arthur Herman of Georgetown University and it was how the Scots invented the modern world. And that book, you know, I love reading books, but that book has been fundamental in my thinking of saying the second enlightenment can come to Scotland and with people like you and your dad pushing that thought I just love it so please give him our very best our very best to you and more power to your elbow thanks so much Tom I will do that all the best guys The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions turning your paper based processes into organised and digital workflows There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security, and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The board you can't afford. This is the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. This week on the board you can't afford, we have Scott Gamble, who's the MD of Drink Think. 
Welcome to the show, Scott. Great pleasure to be here, Willie. Thanks for having us, gents. Scott, you've got one of these faces that I think we perhaps know each other from yes. a former life. Yes, indeed, yes. Did I pay the invoice? You did, sir, yeah, about 20-odd <laughs> years ago. You flew us out to Benus for Mr Gorham's anniversary. Brilliant. And we had a great time, and uh, that, that endeavour led us to Forden's our first mobile bar. Right, OK. And uh, the rest is history, as you say. The rest is history. Uh, indeed, yeah. So it's been a long journey, eventually equated to, you know, this new f- domain for our business, which is called drinkthink.net. So, so tell the listeners a wee bit about how you get started, because the listeners are, are very keen to get wee snippets and... Mm. Yeah. Hear your story. Well, you helped us in our start. Um, and my father had a very entrepreneurial mindset, so you know he knew how to create money, not right. acquire it. Um, so and, you were uh, brought up in an entrepreneurial family. I was, yes, yeah. My dad really was, you know, an, inspira- an inspiration for me in that in that spectrum. You know, um, sadly passed a few years back, but right. we carried the, the what was his forward. business, Scott? Mm. He was big in engineering and the game of alloys, AG alloys. You might remember in I remember AG alloys. Uh, it was my dad's yeah. business, yeah. Big right, business. Okay. So I try and carry his spirit forward right. in my uh, my kind of... Spirit, is that a pun? <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. We're on it this morning, Willie. Yep. We're on aye, it. Aye. So, you know, it, it's an interesting endeavour and it drinks is a love, you know, an amazing place to be, hospitality in general. And after many years really working in all facets of the industry all over the world, I kind of realised, you know, what's it all about? Why are we doing this? And it taught me a lot about some Scotland's broader issues with drinks of all kinds. It really kind of led us to a more noble sort of business mission statement to help businesses, individuals and people from all walks of life redefine their relationship with drinks. Right. With the relationship really being the important thing rather than the ritual of drinking per se. So what is it you're actually offering just now to customers? Uh, customers, goodness, we it's a broad mix. Um, you know, we can be in working with the Prince's Trust on life skills, first impression sessions, um, opening up people's, uh, you know, uh, social skills in the realm of hospitality is a great contact context for training life skills, hospitality. So we do that. We also work in prisons uh, with great charities like Springboard on courses that we develop to help, again, people, you know, study this thing called life and hospitality, which can be a great uh, mirror of life and a great place to practice life skills that, you know, that you would consider someone employable in time. So we kind of do that. But we also, at the other end of the spectrum, we we you know, have an agency of butlers and we service billionaires and trillionaires on the south coast of Spain. So that's quite interesting. Right. And we also sell Burgundy wine to them and Jamaican Blue Mountain coffee, direct from farm. So what's your question for the board you can't <clears throat> afford right well what this morning there's a there's a couple but the first one is what what's the most what's the most valuable currency you gentlemen bring to your business and the hope that i can learn from you uh <laughs> how to apply my my science as an, uh, an aspiring entrepreneur i would say, I know it's a bit of an open question but i thought yeah, that's no, probably no, the best I way think to it's a good question i think in mine i would need to say the culture Mm-hmm. The glue that makes everything work within the business is the culture. It's the mindset. And, and we're actually revisiting that at the moment because I think we lost a wee bit of the plot during COVID. Uh-huh. So many people missing the ring. We brought a lot of new intake into the business for new contracts, I think, who mm-hmm. haven't got it yet. So we're actually revisiting the... Ve- like, for instance, the other day there, Halloween used to be a big, big thing. We'd encourage everyone in the building to get dressed up. Mm-hmm. And I would go in and sort of, you know, uh, do the judging uh-huh. And, pick, and and I did notice this year that although some people had made a great effort, a lot of people didn't get the memo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that culture of 
make sure that everybody in the business knows we care about them, mm-hmm. right? That it's not just you work for us and we pay you at the end of the month. That's a disaster, right? So I, I think for me to answer that, uh-huh. I would certainly say that the, the culture of being part of your business is, is key. Yeah, if you so want to get people the, the human it. element, if you will. Well, well the yeah. great thing about it is that if you get that, then you'll find that you don't have a churn. Uh-huh. You know, that you'll have people who will be loyal to you and it's not just... There'll be other people who will pay more than you, but people uh-huh. like you know the, the, the wee <clears throat> things that you do that uh-huh. make a difference. I can't think of a better answer than Willie's no, given you. It's, to it's, be honest with you, I think, you know, as the leader of the business, you've got to be present there. You've got to be constantly... Um, coming up with ideas to uh-huh. challenge and lead your team. You know, but it, it, actually, just just being there and face to face. You know, we talk about it a lot. You know, I'm not a great fan of working from home. You know, it's the face to face encounters. Sometimes, you know, not not all meetings are planned, and sometimes the best things is when you bump into somebody and you say, "You know, I've been thinking about this," and they say, "Well, I've been thinking about that." And that's how we how we go. So so setting that culture of always trying to learn and bringing ideas in and encouraging your 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 team. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't yeah. put it any better than Molly. Actually, what was your other question? My other question was, you know, with respect to have we got time? Yeah, go yeah. on. Um, uh, with respect to um, you know this idea of of working not just for profit to to try and. Um, Build a kind of re a redefinition of sort of the corporate usual corporate structure. I, I, I want to get your insights on on the potential of kind of in a, in a sense uh, redefining the focus of a business towards something more noble and charitable. And you know how would you go about competing? For example, I, I'll give you an extreme example. Can a can a say a, a charitable product become successful enough that it goes on to build a community centre? Yeah. Uh, in its profits. I know that sounds extreme, and I do that to sort of strike. Uh, you know, I know that sounds extreme, but it's a ba- yeah. it's a bad example. But can we can one of Scotland's biggest problems per se become part of the solution through a re-engineering of the corporate value structure? So Edrington's a great example of this. It's a charity. Yeah. All of its profits exist. I mean, that's a monolithic engine. Yeah. How much good is that doing? You know, can we re- how do we replicate that? Can we scale that up with blue chip companies, please? Yeah. I, I I have to be honest in this. I don't know if yeah. I'm if I'm reading the question right. Yeah. Edmonton's a different example because what happened was it was a family business, very very That's successful right. for generations and generations, and then they decided to, uh, you know, Make and, and I don't know what happened. Maybe they ran out of family members or whatever, but but it's been done fantastic work over the years. It's, it's great. Um. I'm always a wee bit sceptical of people who try to run both in the one company. Uh-huh. It's very difficult. Right? So I like to keep all my business my business mm-hmm. and my charity work separate. Yes. I never ever want to portray my business that you should use us because we do this over here. Yes. Right? So that's, that's just my own point. personal opinion. But I think that um, not a lot of people buy into it. Yes. Not a lot, whether it's true or not, a lot of people don't believe it. Yeah. Right, and it could be true. So, if if you think it's that some point, of the companies, yeah. well, Ben and Jerry's did it. Eh? So Ben uh-huh. and Jerry's, the way back started, we're going to give X amount, ten percent to whatever, and twenty percent. A lot of people bought into that. I, I just think that so many people have tried it now that people are maybe a wee bit tired of it. Yes. But I think what you can do is you can protect what you're trying to do here as a business, mm-hmm. and also you know using social media now you can say here's what we do. Yes. Right. No. So. I, I you don't think, want to speak for Tom, uh, but all the things that we've done... Don't conflate the two yeah, elements. Exactly. Oh, we've, we've done both, but yeah, we've done both yourself, separately, yeah. I think. you know. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I made that decision as well once uh-huh. we sold 
sports division to set up the Hunter Foundation, uh -huh. but then set up West Coast Capital. So they're two very one's for profit and one one is doing something with the profits. Got you. And um, but that being said, you know some of the the great people who we back through the Hunter Foundation are social entrepreneurs mm -hmm. who are equally as good as the for profit entrepreneurs that we back. Yeah. You know you've got people like Fiona McKenzie down at Centre Stage in Kilmarnock, David Duke at Street Soccer. You know these are people who are using their entrepreneurial skills for a social benefit. Uh -huh. But it's clear cut, and it's absolutely well understood. Yeah, but it's a hundred percent. So yes. That's the difference yeah. as a social enterprise. So yes, yes. We, I get it. we use West Coast Capital 100% for profit, mm -hmm. but we use those profits to fund the Hunter Foundation. Mm -hmm. So it's two separate yeah, things. Yeah, the clarity is important, yes. isn't it? Um, yes. But, you know, I have saw good examples. Tom's Shoes, I had the privilege of meeting the guy behind that, a guy called Blake McCoskey. And he was like, buy one of my shoes and I'll donate a pair of shoes to kids who, who need That's a them. lovely thing. So that, you know, I think the general public are sometimes sceptical, so you've got to be absolutely go transparent. Yeah, you point. mustn't delete your WhatsApps, definitely yeah. not. <laughs> and um, because the customers see greenwashing, sports washing, whatever sort of washing. Yes. But if you're genuine and your heart's in it, oh, I would say go for it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot, James. Because you know, it, it's a, it is a minefield, and I think you do need clarity and separation, Willie. So I really enjoy, I really appreciate your, yeah. your you know, your yeah. point there. Scott, it's great to see you again. Thanks a lot, lads. I wish you the best of luck with it all. Thank Brown. you, sir. Appreciate it. Brown. Thanks, Thanks for, for time, coming James. On. What a pleasure. Magic. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions, helping your business with document management, print, and IT solutions.